You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey Basement Systems Studio. Everything basement-y since 1992, serving Calgary in southern Alberta. Um, you and I are on location tomorrow. We're yeah. at that beautiful home again. Can't wait. Why? Because tomorrow's the big draw? Yeah. Okay. Midnight. Coming so, up, uh, I believe it's midnight on uh, yeah Wednesday. So we're back on location tomorrow. I'm excited about that because I'm also excited that uh, we're going to try something tomorrow too for the first time in the show's history. Uh, Brody on the Beat is such an incredibly popular segment mm-hmm. that I've had people randomly stop me in the streets of Calgary. Wow. Going, do you know Alex Brody? Because I think Brody on the Beat is the best segment in the history of Sportsnet 960, the fan. Really? And I'm like, I couldn't agree with you more. Alex is not only a very handsome and talented young man. Totally. But I think his, um, I think his segment, Brody on the Beat, is the pinnacle of sports radio, not only on Sportsnet 960, but maybe in this country. Yeah, I think that's about fair. I think we've re- so, already reached that point. Yeah, for sure. No problem. So we definitely have to re-up our... We got to up our game when it comes to Brody on the beat. So I know apparently um, uh, the boss doesn't want you potentially to go out and do this live tomorrow. Is that is that true? Yeah, I think just because of the, the home lottery show. Okay, um, but... um, so I'm going to say F that noise. And oh. I'm going to say uh, you're going on. You're going live tomorrow in the streets. It'll be fun. Okay. You know what? It'll be a good time. So uh, this is what I'm thinking. Dr- First of all, dress warm. Second of all, I want you out there for the 7 o'clock hour. Okay. The entire 7 o'clock hour. <laughs> Around this time tomorrow. So it'll still be dark. But... Yeah. And we, I want to check... I want, or do you want to do eight o'clock because it's sunnier out then? Um, do you feel safe if it's dark? Oh, I'll, I especially if I'm like out the window and you guys can see me. You know, how are we gonna happens, see you? We're gonna be just... at the home lottery thing. Oh crap! Did right, you just right. not hear the home lottery right. stuff we just talked about? <laughs> Were you not present? Uh, no, I, I'll be good. At okay, <laughs> I'll be fine. Don't worry. All I right, handle myself. It's so be like minus twelve. So make sure you do wear. wear okay, dress warm. super warm tomorrow. Um, so I think we should do uh, a live edition of Brody on the Beat. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I've kind of thought of the question you should ask uh, the people of Calgary. You've uh, narrowed it down? Yeah, with the World Cup on the horizon. Sure. And Canada participating in the World Cup for the first time since 1986. And by the way, uh, later on this hour, uh, we'll do uh, Soccer Simplified for Soccer Simpletons with Hooray. our man Tommy Wilden Jr., um, I think you should ask two questions. Number one, uh, how do you think Canada is going to do at the upcoming World Cup in Qatar? And then who is your dark horse to win the tournament? What do you think, Alex? I like that. You know, it kind of gives a bit of room to make a prediction, but then also, yeah, you know, deviate from the Canada. Because I, I feel like if I was just like, who's your dark horse? Everyone would say Canada. So to kind of get Canada out of the way. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Oh, I think so. Okay. But uh, I want to get uh, people's thoughts on how Canada's going to do in the tournament and the dark horse to win the World Cup. So I think tomorrow, while we're at the um, home lottery thing on location, we'll check in with you the entire 7 o'clock hour. Let's do it. It'll and, be fun. Yeah, and we'll be in contact with you constantly. And luckily, we'll have you in delay just in case things go awry on the radio. They do. 
from time to time. Yeah, for uh, sure. In case there's a, an, an F-bomb that's dropped. Got a poll question up too. Um, at George Russick, at Matt Rose, YYC. Uh, this one's not, it's not as tight as the uh, <laughs> as the one for the Flame Ooh, song. It's a blowout. It's no. a blowout. Uh, are you attending a Grey Cup party? Uh, yes, no. Uh, 95 votes already. 94.7% of our listeners say no. Oh. Uh, and then uh, Flames Insider 1 sent me a tweet. He's, he's the number one Flames Insider. Does he? Nobody cares about the CFL. <laughs> figure it out. But it wasn't in capitals. Oh, uh, figure it out. Figure it out. Um, John a, yeah. uh, John Bender. Uh, he's going to join us at the bottom of the hour here. Former Calgary Stampeders offensive lineman. Uh, he has a great cup party going this weekend. He's all about the great cup. Yeah, well, he he, uh, he even hosted an event for the Stamps game back uh, when they played in the West Semi. I didn't go because I had to work it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's standard with JB. If you're looking for a rowdy time for any one of his CFL games, he's your guy. Um, also, um, talked about it last night, watched uh, the Ducks with their orange pants uh, beat the Detroit Red Wings last night in overtime. Yeah. But there was an incident in the third period where Lucas Raymond got his stick scooped into the crowd, mm-hmm. and a fan caught it and held onto it. Yes. And kept it, apparently. Yes. Which is an incredible souvenir at a sporting event. Uh-huh. Now, we uh, open up the text line, 960, 960, name and location. What's the coolest thing you've caught or which souvenir you've had uh, at a sporting event? Uh, it's going to be tough to beat Patty DeMoss' foul ball at a Northern League <laughs> baseball game from the Calgary Vipers. Like, that's a very that's a very prestigious um, souvenir. Yeah. Uh, Mike from Cranston, Renee Paradis's game shoe... Uh, that he thrown into the crowd on oh, fan appreciation night. That's really cool. Um, like which shoe though? The one he I kicked it with, or his plant foot? <laughs> his plant foot. It's just a shoe. <laughs> no, it still belonged to one of the greatest kickers the game has ever seen. Yeah, but it's not getting used. Yeah, but if you have the plant foot shoe, that's not the same. It's just as important. He couldn't do it without one. <laughs> no, I get it, but I'm just saying like it's way more impressive it's the actual shoe that he kicked the field goal with. Yeah, I, I guess. Okay. But it's still <laughs> Renee Parrott on um, um, fan appreciation night. You, you know John Bender is a listener when he actually texted in too. Yeah. Uh caught a Calgary uh Cal- he's John from Calgary. Thank you John Bender. Uh, <laughs> you're joining us on the show. Uh you could also texted us personally. Uh caught a football on McMahon after late interception in 2019 playoffs. Um Blue Bomber player. Yeah. Uh, threw it into the stands. Bombers fan gave me $200 for it immediately. Wow. That's a good Just score quick by 200 John bones. Good coin. Um, Richard in Woodstock, one of my Ontario listeners who's following me all the way to Calgary. Shout out, Rich. Yeah, love me some Richard in Woodstock. Uh, Tim Raines foul ball. I knew it was boring, but it's as good as I have. Yeah, Tim Raines nice. foul ball is pretty cool. Yeah, well, it's, vipers. It's, it's no vipers, but... Uh, this is awesome from Tyler in Turner Valley. Mm-hmm. When I was 13, Al McKinnis gave me his hardest slap shot stick right off the bench at the 2000 Toronto All-Star game. Wow. That is awesome. That, that goes in a case, right? Oh, like, 100%. At, at what point do you put him in yeah. a case? That one? Like, yes. My, my favorite thing when uh, Al McInnes' career was winding down and they were using the composite sticks, yeah. the one pieces, he couldn't use them because he was shooting it too hard and it was uncontrollable. Spray and pray, And I yeah. do know that my pal Rick Natras, bad. Hey, bad. Uh, they used to call Al McInnes Chopper. Chopper. Because he didn't know where it was going in practice either. Oh. Hey, Chopper would just fire it from the point. You didn't know where it was going, bud. Just heads up. <laughs> 
That's what he used to tell me about Al McInnes. Rick Natras was in town last week, I believe. Was he? The uh, Lanny McDonald Rose. We should get uh, Rickster on the show because uh, he's great. Uh, Derek, um, car stairs? Yep. Car stairs. Yeah. There's a car's land and a car stairs. Okay. Uh, well, you've never heard of stairs for your car? I just didn't think a city would be named after car stairs. I don't know the origin. Okay. Uh, Derek from Carstairs <laughs> caught a caught a puck at the 1982 playoff game at the old Corral in standing room area, Flames versus Canucks. That's cool. Um, Ryan from Airdrie. because it was the Corral. Yeah. Uh, Marco Estrada was stretching in Probably the outfield. Probably smoking darts. Probably. Uh, Marco Estrada was stretching in the outfield, and my son got his attention, threw him a ball, and he signed it and threw it back. My son is half Mexican, so he was a huge thrill for oh, him. Cool. That's awesome. That's super cool. That guys cool. do that. Um, Cal from Red Deer, uh, Calgary Cannons. I was 12 with my old man, bounced off his head, hit the ground, and we had to wrestle a guy for it to come away with it. Yeah, especially if you take it off the bean, you definitely got to come up with that ball. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of love when there's adults wrestling with children to get foul balls, and then the adult wins because they're obviously stronger, and then the crowd boos them. Because you shouldn't be doing that. Uh, Keith and Rocky Ridge. Uh, my older brother, Chris, got Mike Vernon's goalie stick from his first ever NHL game. First ever. As Vernon was leaving the ice down the tunnel, my brother yelled, Hey, can I have your stick? And Vernon gave him to him. Isn't that awesome? He probably had to pay for his own back then, too, maybe. You don't ever know. Um, man, being able to just kind of be close to the players is something that's very cool. But is there anything worse than kind of getting shut down if you're a kid and getting kind oh, yeah. of Heisman, by, Heisman. A, by a professional athlete? That's tough. Yeah, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. That's, that's pretty great. Never meet your heroes. Uh, Nick from Calgary. I caught a Jay Bo Meester's stick at the end of a Flames versus Jackets game. He was second star and signed it too. Oh, Jay like, Bo is a second star. I know all teams give like that cheap gas station looking hockey sticks now. And they give it to the fans. Some of them are mini sticks. Sometimes it's just a hat. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's like it's like a painted. Uh, I don't know if you know what I mean about gas station hockey sticks. Yeah, but it'd be like from some country that doesn't exist anymore in, in in the former Soviet Union. Yep, and it'd be like some crazy lettering on it, and you fill up your gas tank and get a hockey stick for five dollars, and it's pretty much doesn't have a curve on it, so you could use it either flat way. blade. Yeah, yeah, like that reminds me of when they handed out for the first stars. <laughs> But the nice thing about the flat blade is that it's easier to sign, George. Um, Wedley, uh, friend of the show, I got a photo with DJ Powerplay. Steinberg went hometown hockey was when, uh, when hometown hockey was here. DJ uh, Powerplay. That's Steinberg's uh, DJ. DJ Powerplay is Pat Steinberg. Why? That's Explain the DJ name. Like he used to do like weddings and stuff. Are you kidding me? Nope. Would I joke about that? Does he not do weddings anymore? Oh, yeah, because he's got time between the 100 Pat Steinberg Yeah, when he's on the air for like 10 hours. Of, <laughs> yeah. Hold on, on hold his on. off days, he's going to go work a wedding. Hold on. Pat Steinberg's DJ name uh-huh. was, D- was DJ Powerplay? Oh, yeah. Sandstorm, Darude, all the time. That's awesome. <laughs> I had no idea that was the case. <laughs> if there's one thing I can take away from my time in Calgary so far... <laughs> Is that Pat Steinberg's wedding DJ name is DJ Powerplay? At what? Like I, I consider Pat a friend. Yep, he's been super sweet to me since I've been here. He's, We've been out for beers. He's the best. He's literally the backbone of this radio station. He is. I just want to know what Pat Steinberg's thought process was. You know, it'd be a great name for a DJ. D 
DJ Power Play. Dialed. Yeah. Loved it. Oh it was uh, a chapter for sure. You're going to have to ask him about it. I, I, I will. We have to have uh, Pat on, too. Soon. He's got great taste in music. Yeah. He, he, well, when your name is DJ Power Play, I'd hope you'd have great taste in music. You would hope, but I bet you would be surprised that a lot of people probably don't. If yeah. That, if if that was their name, but play the Macarena. Okay. Um, <laughs> Flames off uh, until tomorrow night. Kick off a six game roadie against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Julie McKenzie going to join us at eight thirty from the Athletic. We'll talk about that game. He also has an amazing piece right now on the Matthew Kachuk trade to the Panthers. That's very uh, cool. It's very cool. Said it took him about two and a half months to write. Uh, Matthew Kachuk maybe doesn't come across as the sweetest guy in this article as well. Uh, so we'll talk to Julian about that and tee up the flames. Uh, John Bender, former Calgary Stampeders offensive lineman straight ahead. Uh, he's going to talk about the great cup, preview the great cup. I know he's a great, he's a CFL guy. He's going to have a party. Uh, we'll ask him about those uh, festivities. Give him, get his take quickly on the national football league too. And I think we got to do uh soccer uh, simplified for soccer simpletons. <laughs> you want to play us out with this? Yeah. Just play us out with this. Little DJ Power Play. Uh, DJ Power Play. <laughs> it's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey Basement Systems Studio. Later in the show, uh, we were supposed to have Dave Randorf on. Unfortunately, he had uh, a bit of an issue, so he won't be able to join us today. Sadness. Uh, and because I wanted to ask Dave, because he's worked for big both of the big networks in Canada. Yep. And now he has this sweet gig calling the Lightning in Tampa. Just cups. full circle. Just rings. Yeah. Uh, Julian McKenzie covers the Flames for the Athletic. Has a terrific piece right now on the Matthew Kachuk trade this past summer. He interviewed uh, Tree Kachuk, Zito, uh, Walsh, Weegs. Everyone's involved. Ilberto. Yeah. Schwint. Uh, it's a great Schwint. piece. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, I've let our listeners down. Well, it's not the first time. Won't be oh. the last. I've also let them down many times since I've been here in Calgary. Mm. I, I teased how we got to play the Tom Brady clip. Yep. And our next guest is going to tee up the Grey Cup for us, mix in some NFL talk, sure. and talk about Grey Cup parties. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But we say uh, good morning to uh, former Canadian Football League lineman, former Calgary Stampeder on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, we say good morning to John Bender. John, how are you, pal? Yeah, I'm doing great, thanks. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're great. Thanks for jumping on. I want to play this clip that I thought was fake news uh, yesterday, but apparently it's real. It's Tom Brady talking about potentially where he wants to play. So I'm going to play the clip for you, and then we'll get your reaction. Hit it, Matty Rose. So you've now won games in four different countries. Nobody in the NFL has ever done that. What do you make of that? I think it's pretty cool. I've been around long enough to see these international games take place. It's like I'm the Epcot Center of quarterbacks, <laughs> and uh, it was really fun to be a part of it. And I think the fact that I'm undefeated outside the U.S., I'm hoping I could get to go play in the CFL at some point and uh, really see what I can make of myself up there because things have gone pretty well outside of the country. Add Canada to the list and the championship. Might be able to join Doug Flutie. That's right. He was a, He's a former teammate and, and hero of mine, so. He's always said great things. Okay. Oh, okay. So, John, do you think he's serious that Tom Brady yeah. would come up to the CFL? And if you're a CFL team, do you need to get Tom Brady's rights right now? <laughs> I mean, I don't. I mean, I think he's saying that in jest and joking around. And 
think he's having some fun with it. But, uh, I mean, Tom Brady's had a great career, obviously. He's got whatever, $375 million, I believe, in TV money coming his way here shortly. Oh. So I'd imagine he's probably going to go that route. That seems uh, pretty oh, oh, lucrative. Okay, John, maybe I'd believe you there, but he's completely submarined his entire <laughs> life for football. So maybe he could do. He could, maybe wants to continue to play here. I mean, it, it, I, I would say that anything's possible, and maybe right. it's an opportunity for him in the future. But uh, he might be the only player owner of a CFL franchise we see uh, come through here. But we'll see what happens. Uh, my favorite uh, CFL story uh, was when MLSC bought the Toronto Argos for one dollar because <laughs> they had to assume all their debt. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Tom Brady could do that too. Yeah, you could get him for a dollar. Yeah, re- assume all the debt, and he's the quarterback of the team. Get it for TB12. Yeah, like what Yager is doing. Yeah, with. The Czech team. Czech, like, third division. Yeah. Um, speaking of those Argos, uh, Argos and Bombers in the 109th edition of the Grey Cup this Sunday from Regina. How can Toronto keep this thing relatively close against the juggernaut that is Winnipeg, John? Uh, so they're going to have to do a few things. Um, I mean, I always talk about this. Is, uh, if you can rush the quarterback with four and get to the quarterback with four, your defense is going to have a great opportunity to win the football game. Um, now, what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers do very well is they bully you on both lines, both sides of the line of scrimmage, whether it's O-line or D-line. They seemingly just have better players on both sides that are bigger and more physical. So, yeah, they're going to have to be great at the point of attack, great at the line of scrimmage, and they're going to have to uh, find opportunities to, you know, make plays, whether that's a key turnover, whether that's a big return on special teams, whether that's a sack in crunch time, you know, they're going to have to do everything great because the Blue Bombers are, you know, one of the greatest teams we've seen in the CFL here in the last decade for sure, and they've done a lot of great things this season. So they're going to be a tough team to beat. So what what would this do if the Bombers were able to win this? Because they've been wire-to-wire winners. They'd be uh, obviously winning the championship again. What would that do to the legacy of guys like Mike O'Shea and Zach Caleros? I mean, I think it definitely builds their legacy. I mean, those are big guys that we talk about. You know, I always joked around with people when the, I mean, when the Stampeders were great, you know, the last, you know, decade, you know, not the last, you know, two, three years, but the years before that, that I told everyone in Calgary, like, enjoy this while it lasts because it won't always be like this. So, I mean, they set the bar real high where, you know, everybody in Winnipeg this year was great cup or bust. And, uh, I mean, they got there. Now, you know, they're going to win the Grey Cup. Hopefully they'll build on that legacy. But I think it does a lot for the CFL. A lot of the other teams have to try to keep up now, right? And you're going to find a lot of continuity. The great CFL teams have a lot of continuity, whether it's in their coaching staffs, their successors to GMs. And a lot of the guys that coach there get promoted because everybody kind of moves up the ladder sooner or later. Very similarly to, to to the things that we've seen in Calgary. But mm. when you got to go in there and clean house every couple of years like they did in Edmonton, we've seen what's happened to that franchise as well. So, I mean, you know, they're an opportunity here to really build their legacy, build what's going on in the CFL in Winnipeg. And, you know, you, you know they're 30,000-plus in most of the games. Most of their games, you know, they're getting well over half a million in viewership. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that uh, they're going to keep building from there. The Argos are an interesting team. Um, I find them extremely interesting because they're basically a whole bunch of ex-Stampeders. But uh, apart from that, what interests you about this Toronto team that uh, will be looking to uh, knock off the Juggernaut Bombers? Uh, I mean, there's lots of things to be interested in. I 
I really like their wide receiver corps. I think that they found a good young Canadian wide receiver in Curly Gittins Jr., mm-hmm. and he's really taken off this year, and he's done a great job there. And, you know, I know that they got some local Canadians there that have been trying to help build the game. You know, I think one of the things that people aren't talking a lot about is that, you know, Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver all hosted playoff games this year, and they all had, you know, much better attendance than they usually do. So is this a stepping point for the CFL to build in those markets? You know, I think a lot of CFL fans do, do, do really hope that, that that's the case. And I think that building, you know, the next generation of talent helps when you have local products like that. So uh, with the Argos, you know, from, you know, from top to bottom with their franchise, you know, they have a lot of guys that have been around for a while, a lot of guys that have played on other teams. You talked about all the former Stampeders. Mm-hmm. You talked about some guys that got second chances. And, uh, you know, they're going to have an opportunity to compete and win a great cup and then, you know, see what happens from there. But I'm really excited for a guy like Corey Mace, one of my former teammates. Mm-hmm. He's a first-year D coordinator there in Toronto. And, uh, you know, he's going to help build, um, you know, his career. And maybe he ends up being a head coach here in this league as well. And you know, there's lots of cases like things like that that can build. Love me some Corey Mace. Um, last one on this game in particular. Um, are you intrigued by the storyline surrounding Andrew Harris going up against his former squad? I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, th- that's a that's a great story. I mean, we see this in lots of pro leagues, but we, but we see it especially in football where a key player, a key contributor can go right on to another team right away where one team thinks that they need to move on from that player, and then we see them, you know, maybe it bites them right away and they play them in the championship game, and that's what we're seeing. So, I mean, with Andrew Harris, you know, he was a mainstay in Winnipeg. He really helped build that franchise up to where they are was a great contributor, a great player, a great running back, great Canadian running back. And uh, now he's on another team and, you know, and, you know, he's had a great career, you know, for, he has, you know, his, his stats before age 30 and his stats after age 30 are very similar. And, uh, you know, if he can keep building on to his legacy as one of the, you know, probably the greatest Canadian running back, maybe in history, when you look at the long tenure that he's played, it'd be a great story as well. Finally, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, end of an era here with the Calgary Stampeders, traded to the Hamilton Tiger Cats for a couple of draft picks and some future considerations. Um, it it still feels weird. It's going to feel weird until he's actually in another uniform and, and throwing passes and whatnot and, and wherever that ends up being. But what did you make of uh, the deal at long last uh, after a, a lot of talk about it over the course of the season? Bo Levi Mitchell, no longer a Stampeder. Yeah, Bo's been, you mean, as great a quarterback and as great a member of the community in Calgary any of us could have asked for over the last decade. Yeah, I think when you think about a star player in a city, you think about a player that has a chance to be an MVP, a player that has a chance to win championships, and a player that genuinely gives back, genuinely cares about the community, and, I mean, made the community his home. He lived here in the offseason. He grew a family here. I mean, you couldn't, I couldn't, you know, there's not enough time for me to say all the great things yeah. I want to say about Bo Levi Mitchell. But at the same time, I mean, you know, this is a sport. This is, you know, it's all based on what have you done for me lately. And uh, the Calgary Stampeders thought that they have a great quarterback that they can move forward with, that, that they do in Jake Mayer. And unfortunately, it was time to turn the page with Bo Levi Mitchell. So with Bo, they were able to, you know, get collect some draft picks and get some compensation that way. Hopefully he moves to a team out east. That's why they traded him out there. I 
a sign and trade like that or like a trade like that would have never happened to a team like the Rough Riders, right? They were definitely trying to trade Bo to an Eastern Conference team. Hopefully he lands on his feet out there. And, you know, a lot of people wrote off Zach Caleros. A lot of people wrote off Ricky Ray previously. And, uh, you know, they continue to have great careers and won championships after. And I'll be interested to see if Bo Levi Mitchell can do that as well. John Bender, former Calgary Stampeders offensive lineman, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza in Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, John, has Nathan Rourke played his last game in the CFL for the foreseeable future? I would assume that he has. Yeah, I mean, he he played very well this year. He's a great quarterback. He's done a lot of great things. I was very impressed with his completion rate. I mean, he's playing at a very high level. I mean, playing in the pros already. And then, you know, have an opportunity for him to move to the NFL. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of offers he gets. But, I mean, if I was him and then 24 years old, I mean, he's still really young, has an opportunity to see what he can do in the NFL. And maybe he ends up being an NFL quarterback that uh, plays the NFL for a few years. But his worst-case scenario is he comes back to the CFL and probably makes a half million a year for the next decade. So, I mean, he's got a lot of great football ahead of him here in the future. I'm excited to see where he lands. And, uh, you know, if he gets an opportunity – um, I've talked about this on the show before, but you know a lot of the CFL guys have a tough time getting an opportunity at some teams because you know that team has management, has people making big salaries to make big decisions. And let's say they drafted a quarterback in the fifth round, and Nathan Rourke shows up as an undrafted free agent. Essentially, is he going to get the first reps over that fifth round pick that that GM drafted? Mm. That's always a question I have. If I was him, I'd be looking to land on a franchise that is has a new coach, has a new GM, because you know they're kind of going to want to bring in their guys anyways. And if he can land in a favorable spot where he gets the reps, where he gets the opportunity, then I think that he's going to have a great chance to uh, you know have a nice long career and see what he can do from there. Uh, I, th- I think that's a great point. Um, wanted to ask you uh, that game between the Vikings and the Bills was absolutely bananas in Buffalo on Sunday and uh, the game obviously flipped when there was a fumble exchange between Mitch Morse and Josh Allen deep in Buffalo's uh, end as a former O lineman. How tough is that, that snap exchange when you know the Vikings were coming there on the half yard line to potentially safety Josh Allen and get that football back. How difficult is it as an O lineman when you know the other team is just coming with everything they have to get to the quarterback as quickly as possible. How much pressure is on the center in that quarterback exchange, and how difficult is that situation to pull off? I mean, there's a lot of pressure on the quarterback center exchange. Don't get me wrong, but like, keep in mind, like they know the snap count and the defense doesn't. Great so point. there's always going to be, you know, that half step or half second, you know, where they have the advantage, and that should be enough time to have the quarterback exchange. I mean, I just think that was, you know, poor play that, you know, in the in the worst time imaginable that led to that. But, I mean, you know, the worst play as an offensive lineman, you know, I can tell you was, you know, when they had the – when it's a field goal block and you have three guys line up over you at the line of scrimmage and it's the end of the game and the game's on the line and, you know, you have one chance to punch these guys and there's three guys almost the same size as you trying to run you over. I think that's more pressure. When you're snapping the ball and you're in short yardage like that, as an O-lineman, I mean, you get the half step, you basically step forward, fall forward, and the quarterback follows you, 
and they should get that half yard or a yard. And it, it should have been an issue. It was clearly something that teams don't practice nearly as much anymore because they don't have padded practices. And I think we're going to see, you know, problems like this come up again because a lot of teams don't get under center very often. A lot of teams don't practice these types of plays very often. Uh, poll questions up at George Russick and Matty Rose, uh, YYC. Um, great Cup Party. Um, of our listeners right now, I go, I was asking them, we're asking them if they're attending a great cup party An overwhelming are saying no, but you said, forget that noise. Uh, you got a great cup party this weekend, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I've hosted a great cup party or in the Super Bowl party for me and my friends almost every year for probably the last decade. I mean, they're always great. They're a lot of fun. I think that, um, you know, even Super Bowl parties, I was signing having a lot of problems trying to find my friends who wanted to host one or get together for one or whatever it might be. So I think there's a few things that I learned from my time in Nevada, going to different Super Bowl parties or game events, where you kind of can, you know, make it a great environment. So one of the things I like to do is I play this, like, it's a game where you ask 25 questions about the game. And, uh, you know, you have an opportunity to get everyone involved. So, like, and the questions are dumb, but everybody throws in, like, <laughs> 10 bucks, and somebody walks out of there with $200-plus, right? Mm. And the questions, like, question one will be, like, you know, how long's the national anthem over under 65 seconds? Right. And it'll be like, yeah, and it'll be like, when do the Mounties bring the Grey Cup? When do they show the Mounties with the Grey Cup? What quarter? And like, if you know, you might have a good idea, but if you don't know, it doesn't really matter either. Then you'll ask, you know, like, you know, who's coming on the halftime show? What color is their shirt? And you just create little games like that. And I think everybody has a great time and really enjoys it. And then obviously there's great football being played as well. And uh, I mean, there's lots to enjoy about the great cup parties. Uh, yeah. And if, if that's a lesson learned, uh, gambling makes everything better. Uh, John Bender, <laughs> uh, former Calgary Stan Peters, <laughs> that's offensive lineman. It's true. It's a healthy endorsement. Uh, it's true. Uh, John, thanks for jumping on, on short notice. Uh, enjoy the game, pal. We'll talk soon. All right, for sure. Thank you. Uh, there he goes. Uh, John Bender on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. Yeah, my, my buddies, and I've been doing that for years. Prop sheet. Oh, big time. Yeah, we, we each throw in 20 bucks, um, and the winner walks out. There's usually about 8 to 10 of us at the Super Bowl party. Winner walks out with like two bills. Half in the bag, or like fully in the bag when it yeah, comes to my friends. Depending but, on how you are, yeah, yeah. sure. I'll, any little extra chatter that you can yeah. make the game a little bit more intriguing, especially for a tilt like this where it is the Blue Bombers and the, I almost called them the Stampeders. They're the Argos, but they're a bunch of old Stampeders, so sure. there's that. Looking forward to this, though. Um, Are you going to watch it? I'll be flipping back and forth, probably. Yeah. I, might, I might go see what John's got going on. Uh, I'm even going to preview the game. On inside the lines on Sunday. Really? You're going to take a look at some some props, well, some lines with the boys? What been, is the. It's been something I've been doing the last couple of years because mm-hmm. I sent a poll question out mm-hmm. and I go, should I. Because I, I write a preview for every NFL game. I'll write a preview for the CFL game, the Great Cup. And uh, we've already given Todd Furman uh, homework, who joins us uh, every okay. Sunday at uh, 9 a.m. Sure. Yeah, 9 a.m. Yeah. Uh, Calgary time. Uh, he's going to jump on. He's going to give you his take on what he likes for the Grey Cup because wow. Todd's such an all-around athlete. 
that he's going to have his his handicapping for that game. Wow. And by the way, Todd Furman used to be the headlines maker at Caesars Palace. Well, they don't he's do much gambling legit. at, at yeah. Caesars, do he's they? Totally no. legit. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Flames uh, kick off a six game roadie uh, tomorrow night in Tampa Bay against those Lightning. Uh, Eduardo Encina is going to join us from the Tampa Bay Times straight ahead. And then Julian McKenzie uh, from The Athletic covers the Flames at 8.30 as an unreal piece on the Matthew Kachuk trade. We'll also get his thoughts on the Calgary Flames. Uh, but first, the World Cup is on the horizon. It is almost here. I'm really excited about Days the Days away Cup. from our first match. I know I was so anti-Qatar World Cup um, because it's being played in the winter. But it's going to be great to watch all these games. And for a lot of soccer fans, because they're going to be watching Canada games, much yeah, like yourself, me. you need a little help. I get confused. Yeah. Like, usually. Yeah. And even more so when it's, like, sports I don't understand. Right. So we had uh, our man uh, Tommy Wielden Jr. in last week. He's coming in Friday to talk more World Cup in studio, and we're going to have a draft. Of course. And we'll that. talk about that on, on tomorrow's show more in yeah. depth. Head coach and manager at Cavalry FC. Yeah, he knows the soccer. So uh, we've kind of done these features. We've run them for the first two days. Yep. Uh, we got another one today. Uh, soccer Simplified for Soccer Simpletons on the big show. With the World Cup just around the corner, do you need some help understanding the beautiful game? Well, you're in luck. It's now time for Soccer Simplified for Soccer Simpletons with our resident footy expert, Tommy Wielden Jr. Oh, and our very own soccer simpleton, Matt Rose. I want to talk about slide tackling. Mm. Because I don't know what the difference is between a legal tackle and a legal slide tackle. Frankly, it looks like you're just submarining another guy. <laughs> and I would be angry if I was the guy with the ball. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's it's funny. I you know my, I mean I stopped playing probably about 15, 20 years ago, uh, and I was a defender myself. I didn't have a ton of pace, so I think I used to use that as a skill, uh, try and use it to stop, prevent, and uh, and try and intercept the attacker. Um, I think now the rules are changing. It's probably right because back in the day, you know, pitches were a little softer, wetter, and the ball moved slower. Now the pitches are quicker. It's almost like a, you know a golf putting green, mm. right? So. The ball moves faster, it emphasizes the technical player more so than the soldier. And I think, you know, with with the rule that you can't slide tackle from behind because it's now deemed a dangerous tackle if the opponent's not facing you, and you can't slide using two feet, right? Because if your studs at the bottom of your boots are showing, then you can, you know, it's it's almost like a, a excessive force. I think the, the officials call it. You can't be deemed to be put in excessive force at, at danger of injuring a player. So, um, I, I still think there there's a use of them in the game because it does, you know, goal line clearances. You know, a defender's going to throw their body out and try and hook it off the line. I think they're they're a valuable skill, but it's now more than ever about timing. There you go. Hmm. It's about timing. Yep. Making sure that the who. Who Toes are pointed in the right way. Who hasn't done the slide tackle in FIFA, playing FIFA on the on the old video like game? It tackles? was the only thing I ever did when I yeah. played FIFA. And the, the best thing about watching a good slide tackle is when mm-hmm. they hit the ball first, and then they just completely submarine the player. Yeah. And then they're rolling around in pain, but it's a totally and clean play because they hit the ball first. The magic spray. I think we'll talk about the magic spray this week. I think I asked him about it. That's you did. Point, yeah. Um, tomorrow, uh, we're going to do Brody on the Beat live. With our technical director Alex Brody, Brody. and he's going to ask, uh, "What? How do you like Canada's chances in the World Cup? And who's your dark horse to win the tournament?" 
He's going to do that live on the streets of Calgary. So if you see Alex wandering around tomorrow morning, go say hi and talk to him and give us a clip because we're going to be on location and then Alex is going to be wandering the streets of Calgary grabbing audio for us the entire hour. But dress warm, Alex. It's going to be a little nippy tomorrow. I'll be ready. Don't worry. Okay, because like I said, it's probably the best segment in all of Canadian sports radio. Ever or right now? Currently. Mm. I don't know if it's ever. But it's getting there. Yeah. Not far off. Like, it's going to be hard to beat the Ryan Leslie Dragon's Breath edition. <laughs> so, but Never maybe. Never forget, right, eh? But right now, uh, it's probably the best segment in Canadian sports radio. Uh, straight ahead, uh, we'll tee up the lightning side of the Flames and lightning matchup uh, with Eduardo Encina from the Tampa Bay Times, our pal Julian McKenzie at 8.30. Uh, and we'll wrap up the show with some, uh, well, we got we have business to attend to, too. Vol- vote on our poll question at Sportsnet 960, the Flames victory song that will come into a show after a Flames win the night before. Go vote on our poll question. And we got the, the Grey Cup one's already done that I posted earlier. Yeah, you have no interest in Grey Cup parties because you're all negative. But that's fine. I like that you're swimming around in the pool of truth. One more hour to go. Big Show, Russell and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.